This is Comic Shenanigans episode 187, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, July 23rd. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 187. It's the Comic Reviews episode for comics released Wednesday, July 23rd. I am your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, every week on the odd-numbered episodes, we like to take a look at uh, comics that came out the previous week, and uh, this week is no different, and thankfully I think we're kind of going up on time. I used to try to shoot to have these episodes up on uh, the Mondays, and we're finally hitting it. Um, one thing I noticed before I started recording this episode is that I had read a lot less comics this week than I had expected. Um, I know a lot of things came out. I thought I had had a big list, and apparently I didn't, but uh, let's just jump in anyway. Um, first up is of the 100th anniversary special, Avengers, number one. I don't really get the point of these specials. I think it would have been made more, maybe more interesting if they had felt like they were all kind of taking place in the same coherent reality. Instead, we're, we don't get that at all, and we said we have completely separate stories and it's just, they just feel like really random one-shots. Like, so maybe, um... I almost feel like this would be better served as what-ifs of some kind. Like, they basically are. It's like, what if, you know, the Avengers were, you know, the, what, what would they be like in a uh, hundred years past when the, you know, Avengers first started? Um, we get instead something really weird. Now, I wanted to enjoy this more than I did. I just felt like it didn't... I, like with all of them, they, they kind of lacked a real point and a reason to really read it. Um, it's written by... God, I don't even know who wrote this. I'm having difficulty even finding uh, the actual credits. Um, uh, this is It's just a br- brutal issue. Yeah, I, I can't seem to find who wrote this and who did the art. You have this weird team of Avengers in the future, which is Rogue. Um, who else is there? It's Rogue, uh, Doctor Strange, but a weird futuristic version of Doctor Strange who's been in different bodies, and we have Beta Ray Bill. They're all that's left. we got a brief recap page which tells us all this crazy stuff that's going on. Uh, I do kind of like that they make it seem as if we're going to get a next issue. Obviously, we're not, uh, with Captain America going through the, this weird negative zone re- outreaches to find the rest of the Avengers. It's a weird Mole Man versus Avengers story, if you can even really call these people Avengers. Uh, Iron Man is something else entirely. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just found it not the most enjoyable issue to read. I thought it was a bit of a chore at times. Um, yeah, it just kind of it just kind of happened. It was just kind of here. Um, yeah, I'm trying. And, and again, I don't really see I, James Stoko or James and Stoko are the two people who worked on it. I guess it's James Stoko. Um, who wrote, I guess wrote it and illustrated it. I just was not a huge fan of it. The artwork at times was a little bit Art Adams-esque, and that was kind of cool, but generally speaking, I didn't think the story was that interesting. Um, probably one of my least enjoyable uh, 100th anniversary specials that we've seen come down the pike so far. Uh, I'm going to give this maybe a 4 out of 10. Uh, and being a little bit nice, I think. Uh, next up is All New Invaders. Uh, All New Invaders number 8. This is written by... Uh, James Robinson, artwork by Steve Pugh, or Pugh, I don't know how to pronounce that, unfortunately. I do like his take on the on the book, absolutely. I like the um, the caution they have for uh, Jim Hammond. It's kind of like uh, Furies, but it's red and it has the flame in the center instead of the, uh, the star. Um, we get a little bit more of what happened in, at the end of last issue. Uh, we have Coulson and um, um, 
Jim Hammond having a bit of a moment. We see a little bit of the Illuminati because then Namor takes off to join uh, Human Torch, and they're looking for uh, they're looking for Toro. Um, they team up with Bucky, also Winter Soldier, obviously. Um, and uh, at the end, it looks like there's a lot of Deathlocks, and they all look kind of pissed. Um, I really enjoyed this. It was a lot of fun. I'm excited to see. It looks like this is the what the second iteration of Deathlock, who we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, I think I'm not really that up my uh, my Deathlock uh, chronology and mythology, but I definitely enjoyed the issue. The artwork is fantastic. Um, I like how Jim Ham. This is really like the Human Torch's book. It's a little bit flimsy that you know him bringing back together the rest of the invaders, but I do like the focus on Jim Hammond as kind of being our uh, central figure. And I think Robinson's doing a really good job on writing the book, and it's something different. And I think it's more fun than his uh, Fantastic Four has thus far been. Uh, next up is Amazing Spider-Man 4. Uh, this is the original Sentian, although um, what's nice about the way that Dan Slott wrote this is because he knew it was coming. He's actually been seeding this Silk character since issue one, which makes it a lot more enjoyable um, because it doesn't feel like this just get, kind of gets thrown in out of nowhere. Plus, we actually have Spider-Man leaving his book to join as part of the original Sin crossover, which we haven't adequately seen elsewhere, which was nice as well. This is by Slot and Ramos. Um, we have a lot of development here. Uh, obviously, most of the development is on, is on the Silk character, but we still still do see more of um, the scientists working on containment for Electro. Uh, we have Spider-Man, again, di- Peter Parker ditching his company yet again, and Anna Maria having to kind of come up with excuses. Sejani's pissed, but that might lead into something a lot worse for her uh, if Black Hat has her way, and it definitely seems ominous for the character. Um, Silk... Uh, now I, now I forget her name. Cindy. Cindy Moon meets Spider-Man. Is pretty pissed that uh, that he's you know saved her because Morloon apparently will uh, be able to uh, find her. It's interesting that when he were led to assume this is Morloon, uh, is far far away, and then he smells something in the air and he knows it's the Spider Bride, which is an interesting um, content, uh, interesting portent of things to come, um, especially given the last page. Uh, Cindy, I like that her spider speed is a lot more, even though she's not as strong as Spider-Man and her spider sense is better. I thought it was kind of interesting to not make her just a carbon copy of Spider-Man's powers, but to give her a little bit more of a both an an advantage and disadvantage compared to Spider-Man, which I thought was cool. And she has organic webs, which is kind of nice. She creates her own kind of costume and then they go out into the into the air and uh they kind of have a bit of a um, not a frolic but they have a little bit of an adventure uh spider-man lets slip that Morlin has died more than once which freaks cindy moon out um and then they just start making out on the last page which i was not expecting and i thought it was kind of a a cool way to go it was it reminded me of what season one of cheers the last episode where it's like sam and dan are like are uh, you as turned on as like, they're f- yelling at each other, fighting like the, they both basically want to throttle together, and like and then they're like, uh, "Are you as turned on as I am right now?" And Diane's just like more, and they just grab each other. It kind of felt like that kind of Cheers moment. Uh, I dug it. It was a good issue. I'm gonna give it an eight and a half out of ten. Uh, it remains a solid book. I think I am really excited for what it's gonna be a semi monthly again, just because I think it it benefits the pacing benefits from getting the issues more often. Uh, but at least slot does give you more bang for your buck anyway. Uh, Aquaman 33, so we have Jeff Parker, Paul Pelletier, t- bringing the story of the Chimera and, uh, and Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman and Mira finally come back together here, and they have a bit of a um, uh, reunion with each other. They find out more about what each, each is doing. Um, 
to find more about this this mysterious new uh, Chimera character. Doctor Shin is uh, obviously in critical condition, well, pretty bad condition, and Aquaman goes to uh, um, see him, and then uh, the Chimera actually comes hunting for him. Uh, I enjoyed this solid book. Remains solid. Uh, Eight out of ten. I'm not meaning to go fast, but I find that uh, I don't have as much to say today as I thought I would. Um, so this might be a shorter than usual podcast. Plus, I'm not talking about as many comics. Usually, I look at like 15 to 20. Usually, close to 15 to 17, I guess. Today, I think I only had a chance to read 10 from last week. Which, again, I thought I read a lot of comics last week, but apparently, I was totally wrong. Uh, next up is Batman 33 by uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, and this is the end of their Zero Year arc. As we finally get the end of the Riddler versus Batman story, um, you know what? I gave I was not a big fan of Jerry Year when it started. It did kind of go on long, but there were definitely acts that were building on each other. Um, There's a great sense of pacing in this issue as Batman tries to solve the final riddle, although he kind of ends up failing. Um, you have you know his various uh, allies being able to pull pull it out at the end of the day. Uh, Batman literally trying to sacrifice himself to bring his uh, his city back to life. Um, the importance of teamwork being taught to, to Batman as well. They can't do everything on his own as Alfred steps in at a key moment. I kind of like that idea here that although Batman is learning how to be Batman, we're also seeing that he's learning that he can't do it all on his own, which is important given how you end up with a large Batman family. So although oftentimes he would prefer to be on his own and, and do everything on his own, he knows that uh, he's much better when he's got... Um, you know his bat family kind of operating with him. That being said, it's not a flawless issue because the epilogue was I just found unnecessary. With uh, uh, Alfred kind of having like his dream of what he would wish for Bruce, and uh, instead Bruce goes out and becomes Batman and and kind of closes the door and that kind of happiness. And it was interesting too the idea that being Batman makes Bruce happy is uh, I don't know if that's really ever been addressed. Like we know it's a driving force in his life to do good to prevent. You know what happened to him happening to others, but we've never really had him say that it makes him happy before, which is definitely an interesting uh, stance to take. Uh, that being said, still a very good issue. I think if it wasn't for the epilogue, I might have rated it higher, but I'm still going to give it an 8. The epilogue did tear it down a little for me. Uh, Batman Eternal, issue 16, probably one of my least favorite issues thus far. Um, it just I found it a lot less interesting. Uh, it's written story is again by Scott Snyder and James Tinney in the fourth script by Ray Fox, and then consulting writers are John Layman and Tim Seeley with pencils by Dustin Wynn, who's not my favorite artist in the regular creative team right now. Uh, we get a little bit of interaction between um, what, uh, what are the names uh, Vicky Vale and Bard here, although it didn't quite feel as up to par with uh, how they've been written previously. We have Red Robin and Harper Row um, kind of being attacked. Where are they? In Tokyo. Um, it felt like kind of extraneous. Uh, the whole sequence with uh, Joker's daughter, Batwing, uh, as well as Maxi Zeus, um, Jim Corrigan, uh, you know, everything that's kind of going on there in Deacon Blackfire, I found very uninteresting. It's my absolute least favorite part of Batman Eternal, potentially my least favorite issue as well. Uh, it, it got away from the street level stuff, which I love and I think is so interesting, uh, and seeing how the, the kind of the gang war and all that kind of stuff is developing, even though it's kind of over in some ways. I like that stuff and seeing how the uh, Bard is kind of functioning within the police department as he's, you know, I can't remember if they're the making commissioner or not. I, I don't actually recall now. I just think 
that those are the elements of the series that really work, especially on an episodic, you know, weekly format. Um, this story, I was a lot less interested. In fact, I don't think I had any interest at all. Uh, I'm being nice by giving it a 5 out of 10. And Dustin Wynn, again, is not my favorite artist of the creative team that has been rotating in and out of Batman Eternal. Uh, next up is Daredevil number 6. Uh, this is this felt like a misstep. Um, it's still good. It just felt like... You know, it, it got away from what I've really been enjoying in the main series, where we have you know Daredevil in San Francisco, and that's been really cool. Um, seeing him back in New York for this story was less interesting. It's by Mark Wade and Javier Rodriguez, so we have um, Chris Omni taking an issue off. Kind of interesting the idea that the orb, you know, kind of showing Daredevil things about his his dad that he's never really seen before, and what that means to him. Um, and in fact, like he's so upset by it that he even like rubs out the good man portion of his on his gravestone. Although I kind of wonder, like, isn't it? Oh well, I guess they did. Now I look at it and I'm like, well, there's no grave. Like he's not actually buried there. But then I remember that they did have the I guess the glistening stones that are supposed to be there from the uh, the mole man. But I think they could have been shining a little bit more and been more obvious as a nice kind of um, callback to what happened in the last volume of Daredevil, written by Mark Wade. Uh, so he finds out more about his dad and his mother. He goes to try and find his mother. Mother is in jail. She's being deported to Latveria. Um, kind of a, it's kind of a weird offbeat story with Latveria and him getting kind of attacked, uh, or um, he tries to kind of confront these Latverian officials and uh, government officials from the U.S. and ends up kind of being thrown out of a window. Um, so I guess he's going to be trapped. Sorry, not Latveria, Wakanda. So I guess he's going to go to Wakanda to try and find his mom. I felt like the revelation of the issues with his dad and his mom was strong enough as a hook that I didn't need her to suddenly be embroiled in you know, a Wakandan conspiracy. That was weird. I don't think that was necessary. I think it was an odd touch, for, and it kind of made the whole issue feel more askew. But the primary hook of finding out that your father's not who you thought he was, and that's... A very compelling hook, especially for a character like Daredevil that puts his father so high on a pedestal. I mean, in some ways, I don't like that kind of stuff because I don't want it. Like, it's such a positive character trait that he looks up to his father, and that's kind of nice. I mean, a lot of characters in literature don't necessarily have the greatest, most functional family lives. So I like that he has that, you know, his father was everything to him, was this great uh, influence on his life. So I didn't really need to have that kicked out from under him, um, just because Daredevil's already had such a rough time of it. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, the issue was still good, and I liked having Rodriguez, but it just had such a different feel than Somni's work, and even different than Rodriguez's previous work of the book, that I don't think it was as strong as it could have been. So I'm going to give it a 6, which is probably the lowest I'll ever give Daredevil. Um, next up is Mighty Avengers. This is issue number 12, which is really a series I only really started reading with, I think, just the last issue, which is the original Sin tie-in. It's written by Al Ewing, who's also writing a book I love, uh, Loki, Agent of Asgard, with artwork by Greg Land. Uh, although, not the best Greg Land artwork. I'm not saying something. Just some of the faces just didn't seem right. It's a lot of a flashback tale. We're seeing more of Luke Cage's dad dealing with, you know, Blade and, uh, was it, the Blue Marvel and basically the original Mighty Avengers. Yet another Mighty Avengers team. This is, or Avengers team. This isn't in the 50s, because there's a 59 Avengers now. This is a 70s one. Um... It's okay. I mean, I, I didn't find it all that interesting. Um, it felt like more of the same. I'm going to give this uh, maybe a five. Uh, I just didn't feel it was that compelling. I, I feel like they're taking so long to tell the flashback story that I'm losing my interest. 
even though it's only been two issues, that's still too long. This Back in the day, this would have been a few panels and half an issue. And sometimes there's something to be said for brevity and moving things along. Uh, next up is Red Lanterns, and this is issue number 33. Um, let's take a look. I'm trying to remember what happened in here. Uh, so we ha it's written by Charles uh, Sewell and artwork by, let's see, uh, Alessandro Vitti, who I do love and I think his artwork's fantastic. Uh, this is Atrocities Part 2. Uh, four old battles so you have John Stewart and Guy Gardner meet up um, I kind of like their interaction I'm I'm more and more especially with the way Vidi uh, does the illustration I love the look of Guy Gardner there's something about how thick the costume looks and like I don't know it just looks less skin tight than John Stewart's and more kind of like a biker look and it, it just kind of works for the Red Lanterns and for um, uh, Guy Gardner specifically um it's interesting. It's just an interesting issue. The question of how they're going to save Rancor. Um, we have Skalax goes home and finds that um, Atrocitus has kind of made camp there, um, and he wants to use Skalax to lure and uh, uh, Guy Gardner to him. Uh, you have Guy Gardner and John Stewart kind of fighting, uh, getting into a bar brawl and having a nice kind of talking it out, and then it looks like uh, next next um, chapter is going to be Red Lantern's Annual, which is kind of a weird choice because you'd think the issue 34 would be part 3 and then the annual would be part 4. But I guess they're going for something different here. Um, generally speaking, a good issue, enjoyable. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Uh, it remains fairly solid and interesting. I'm interested to see where they'll go after Atrocities is over. And last up for this week is uh, the New 52 Features End which I think this is the first time I've ever done a week where I've talked about more DC books than Marvel, I think. Or maybe not, because uh, we've had, what, one, one, two, three, four... I think actually it's been split. I think there's been five Marvel books for five DC, so that's actually pretty good. <laughs> I don't think I usually uh, split it that evenly. Uh, this series is written by... Let me find the credits. I believe they're on the last page. Um... Brian Razzarello, Jeff Lemire, Dan Jurgens, and Keith Giffen are the pencil, uh, sorry writers with Jesus Marino on pencils. I do like his pencils. Um, the story, though, I found a lot to be desired. Amethyst, Frankenstein, and Hawkman uh, I, in what an uncharted planet in the furthest reaches of space. I found it very uninteresting. It just kind of kept going and going. Um, the stuff in Baltimore with I found even less interesting with Faraday. Um, I think that was Faraday. Um, then you have uh, Grifter's kind of uh, pal dealing with that as well. Just This just felt so uninteresting. Uh, Rampage, again, another un un uninteresting character. There just wasn't a lot here for me to enjoy. Um, I thought there'd be something here to think in was interesting, but instead it wasn't. Although the very end was interesting because you had Joker and come, come face-to-face with what appears to be an older, man, older Batman um, but the rest of this was pretty terrible. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I just, it's the least interesting aspects of this series. Um, kind of like Batman Eternal in some ways. Like, that being said, Batman Eternal is usually a fantastic book. New 52 Futures End is often not. So to have a terrible issue of that is, is even worse, and it kind of hurts more. And that is actually everything I had a chance to read this week. Uh, there's a ton of books I didn't get a chance to read, including, although, I think a lot of these I may not have read anyway. All New Dupe, number four, would have passed on that. All New Ultimates, uh, number five. All Star Western, 33. Batman, 66, 13. 
Now this one I do miss, I did miss uh, sadly Batman and Robin thirty three because I forgot to read that. I don't know how I missed that. Batman Beyond Universe twelve, Catwoman thirty three, Deadpool Detectives number seven, Deadpool thirty two, Deadpool versus X Force number two, Deadpool Dracula's Gauntlet number two, He Man the Masters of the Universe fifteen, Injustice Year two number eight, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider Man number twenty eight, Original Sin. I think this is what five point two. Uh, Thor and Loki the Tenth Realm that I meant to read didn't have a chance. Original Sins number four. I've been skimming the book. I've been reading, or I've been reading like two of the three stories. I've just been passing on the Young Avengers, which unfortunately is the one that actually goes through every chapter of the series. Uh, Saga Twenty One. I'm really behind on that now. I think I'm like three or four issues behind, maybe more. Uh, Secret Origins Four, Star Spangled War Stories, GI Zombie Number One, Star Trek Harlan Novels in the City on the Edge of Forever Number Two. Sad that I've fallen behind on this. Uh, Storm number one, Superman thirty three, Flash thirty three, Unwritten Apocalypse number seven, Trinity of Sin, Pandora number thirteen, Wolverine the X Men number six, that I meant to read, and Wonder Woman thirty three, is everything that I missed. Now looking forward to the coming week, uh, which will be July thirtieth. Um, there's a lot of books coming out that week. Um, there's also actually a book coming out on the 29th of July that I'm really excited for, which by the time no, I guess this is going up on the 28th, so this will it still hasn't come out yet. It's the uh, Marvel, I think, 75 Years of Covers, um, which sounds really interesting to me. It's just a, a big book spotlighting covers of comics in the last uh, 75 years at Marvel. I think it sounds really cool. Uh, some of the upcoming books that are being released include, uh, or this week, uh, Batman Dark Knight, Hardcover Volume 4, and Trade Paperback Volume 3, a new chapter of Batman Eternal, you have Batman Little Gotham, Trade Paperback Volume 2, Batwing Trade Paperback Volume 4, Welcome to the Family. You have a Detective Comics Annual. I don't actually know who's writing that. I think it's by Manipul and Butchelato, but I'm not sure at all. There's the Doom Patrol Omnibus. I completely didn't even realize that was happening. Uh, Justice League is coming out. I'm excited to see what the new chapter of that's like. Yeah, the aforementioned Red Lantern Annual is coming out. New issue of Sinestro, which is a really fantastic new DC book. Uh, Image, we're finally going to have Manhattan Projects 22 come out. I'm super excited. I'm going to maybe see if we can get uh, Nick Patera on the show at some point in the future to discuss the issue. Um, super pumped to, to read it. Um, and then for Marvel, we've got a new issue of Old New Ghost Rider. I hope this is the last 100th anniversary special, which is Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, new chapter of Avengers, which is, I hope, the last original Sin tie-in, because I think I'm kind of done with those tie-ins. Like, with all the time jumps and uh, taking all the time to establish where they are and then time jump again next issue. I'm kind of done. Um, it's been interesting, but it just felt like the same thing over and over again. Uh, new issues of Avengers World, Cyclops, uh, Hawkeye. I mean, that doesn't have a lot of issues anymore. There's an Iron Man special, which I think continues the storyline that happened in the all-new X-Men special, I think. I can't remember. New issue of Iron Patriot. I feel like I've really fallen off on that. I think I read issues one, two, maybe three, and then I haven't... I guess I missed the other issues. Um, New Avengers, New Avengers Twenty One, which I guess has the next chapter of the ongoing saga against the um, the Justice League kind of ripoffs. Uh, Original Sin Three Point Three comes out. I believe that's the Hulk versus Iron Man one. Uh, for those who like the Runaways, the Complete Collection Volume One is uh, coming out. Um, now this one, I don't know if I'm going to buy it. It's a little pricey, even on Amazon. It's the Spider-Man Complete Alien Costume Saga Trade Paperback Book One. Um, I already have the Spider-Man Birth of Venom trade paperback, which has a lot of the issues that are in here, but it also has the uh, stuff that was going on in um, uh, 
like Web of Spider Man, not Web, uh, Spectacular Spider Man at this time, and actually maybe Web 2. Uh, I'm intrigued that it's book one. I don't know what book two is going to look like. I think maybe I'll wait to see. Okay, I probably won't. I'm probably going to buy this anyway because Spider Man trade paperbacks, they reprint old material like crack for me. That being said, I should wait, theoretically, to see what book two is like and then to see. Because if book two is going to have some interesting stuff in it that hasn't been collected elsewhere, it depends what it's going to be going. Because I think volume one kind of does collect everything until he takes the costume off. So I'm intrigued to see what's going to be coming next. Uh, other issues coming out include Secret Avengers, Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, and Uncanny Avengers. Uh, as well as uh, a new trade paperback, uh, sorry, new printing of the trade paperback version of X-Men Magneto Testament. If you haven't read it, it's a must. It's absolutely fantastic. It's by Carmine D. G. Domenico. One of the first things I think that he illustrated that I loved. Not not the first, but one of the first things. Um, it's absolutely epic. It's beautiful. Um, the storytelling is magnificent. The storytelling in terms of the writing by Greg Pak is brilliant. Uh, you are not going to want to miss this. This is such a great book. Anyways, that is our episode. Um, so thank you for joining us for episode 187. Uh, looking forward to episode 188 will be our spotlight on Guardians of the Galaxy episode. I don't really know who's going to be on that episode yet. I have a feeling it's going to be Chris Lucas and maybe someone new. I'm not sure. And then moving forward, episode 190 will probably be a flashback episode. Uh, looking at, appropriately, appropriately enough, the Marvel flashback event of 97, although that's not set in stone. Um, issue one, sorry, episode 192 will be our spotlight on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the new movie. 194 will be a new Talk and Heroclix episode of the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, set that's going to come out, I think, nine days previous to that episode going out. Um, and then, um, I don't even know what episode that gets me up to. I think that's episode 186, sorry, 196. And then 198, not really sure yet. Sorry. Oh my god, that was episode 184. 186 will be our solicitations for September episode, as long as they're out already at that point. Um, 198, not sure yet. And then 200, I don't know. You, uh, I, I've been asking before, if you have any ideas for what you'd like to have us talk about for episode 200, please let me know. And we'll try to feature it on the show. I'm hoping it'll be um, a smorgasbord of some of the many guests that we've had on the show throughout the last two years. Um, so that should be exciting. Actually, now that I think of it, also the Spotlight on Ninja Turtles episode will be also be coming out on the two-year anniversary of the podcast as well. Um, I think last year I was able to time them, that the 100th episode I put up on the one-year anniversary. But because I took some time off in the past year and it wasn't always um, eight episodes a month, there was a few months where it was a little bit less, I kind of fell behind in terms of being able to time it the same way. So episode 200 will be in September, I believe. Um, and we'll be recording it at the end of August on August 24th. So if you do have any suggestions or ideas for that episode, let us know by August 23rd so that we can try and inc- incorporate it into the August 24th recording. Um, as always, you can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, as well as subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to the show, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>